0: Paleo Hackers, we are back. I am Clark, your host on the Paleo Hacks podcast. You know, they're always a fun show when 50 minutes feels like five minutes. And this was an awesome call. Hannah Crum on the show um, to talk about our new book, The Big Book of Kombucha. And we kind of get into alcohol, why that might be beneficial to you and incorporating it into your health, lifestyle and wellness. And does kombucha have alcohol in it? I don't know. Stick around. Find out. Before we get into that, this show, of course, brought to you by paleohacks.com. Go over there right now to get all sorts of recipes, blog posts, and our archives are actually up there. If you go to the podcast page, um, blog.paleohacks.com slash podcast, I believe. Every single episode we've ever done from day one is up there for free. So there actually might come a time of where we put together some sort of product using these. But for now, if you want to go up and stock up and uh, get them for free, they're all over there. I have a special announcement. A lot of you know, Danger is not my last name, as uh, as hard to believe as that is. My last name is Kegley. And I bring this up because for the past eight months, my brother Logan and I have been working our butts off to start kegley and co this is a men's grooming company we just launched and it's up live now and we're doing three pomades and i'm the i'm the chef the cook whatever you want to call it um of these and i made these because i had a lot of problems using personal care items like uh just standard gels and um, pomades from other people that would really dry my scalp out and a lot of you know, you know, healthy hair is very important and the personal care products you use, whether it be sanitizers, shampoos, conditioners. Well, if they have a lot of chemicals stuffed in them, they're not very good for you. Um, and so I started making my own and realized my hair felt a lot healthier. It was easier to work with. And I, I love the process of actually making it something I'm really passionate about. And if you use the promo code paleohacks, that's all one word, you get uh, 10% off. So if you're interested or you have someone in your life that's interested, go over there, check it out. That's K-E-G-L-E-Y-C-O.com. That's it for announcements this week. Again, PaleoHacks.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All right, you ready for the show? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go hear what Hannah Crum has to say. Paleo Hackers, welcome back. Happy Thursday. With me on the other end, I am super excited. Hannah Crum is back, a.k.a. the Kombucha Mama. She's been educating on kombucha for over a decade. uh, So you could say she was doing it before it was cool, before it went mainstream. Um, So she's back with us to talk about her new book, The uh, Big Book of Kombucha, I believe it's called. Hannah. Aptly named. Welcome back.
1: Thank you. Good to be back.
0: The originator of the uh, mainstream kombucha culture, you could say
1: bringing it to the mainstream. It's yeah. been around a lot longer than I have, but I'm just one of the people who's here. I, I think of myself as an ambassador. The culture, uh, I'm here to say they mean you no harm. In fact, they mean you a world of good, and all you have to do is jump on in, grab a grab a bottle from the store, see how it resonates with you, and then when your thirst outgrows your budget, that's when you come looking
0: for me. I love your sayings. Last time you were on here, <laughs> I think in September, you uh, coined, was it Bacteriosapien? What was, what was it?
1: Yeah, sapien. Yeah. That's, I think, uh, an apt description of this thing that we live in, this human spaceship.
0: Right. And, and after you, you started a trend on the show because we had like 10 other shows about the gut. So it was just gut health, gut health, gut health. Um, and people like to come on here and talk about how you're more bacteria than you are cells and uh, all that stuff. So, so I'm stoked to get you back on for 2.0.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm glad to be here. And you know, it's um, that's great to hear that people are really wanting to dig in and figure out, you know, what is this human body organism thing? You know, we like to think of ourselves as a car or some kind of machine, but really we're just way more intricate and interesting than uh, any kind of vehicle or apparatus we could put together would ever be.
0: So last time you were on the call, you kind of touched about, uh, well, actually, before we get into that, how was working on this book? I know you just, it's coming out in March 8th. March 8th. March yeah. 8th. What's, what's that been journey like? Is that what you've been working on since last September when we talked? Absolutely. Well,
1: you know, it's been three years from proposal to publish, and I'll say that it's myself and my husband. So we're very much our own Scoby. Um, I like to joke that I'm the yeast, the party animal, and he's the bacteria, making sure I don't get too crazy. <laughs> Um, but uh, we're, we've we been partners running the business, writing the book. And so we'll actually both be on book tour at, at different parts. I'll be in some places on my own, but uh, wherever he can, he'll be joining me. Uh, some of you might know him as Alex Kombucha. That's been his uh, moniker out on social media. Um, but, yeah, for three long years from writing the proposal, which, you know, these days it's similar to music, where they want you to have your own following, have your own kind of thing going on before they just... Right give you a book contract and then um you know and then going through that whole publishing process which i tell you it's you know you think you know everything because it's all in your head you've been living it but to have someone with outside eyes come in and just help you shape and craft and make sure that you're speaking to those who may have never heard about it 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 was really a great process to go through is it easy absolutely not just like every work of art there's uh, creativity there's conflict but what ends up is being a really amazing beautiful piece are you ready for me to flash you the cover
0: here it is the reveal go for it uh-huh. wow
1: yeah so it's in hardcover and paperback and kind of one of the ways we've been talking about it it's like a fun textbook
0: Hmm. Yeah. So
1: it's uh, well, and it also has 400 recipes. So that's almost 300 flavoring suggestions, 50 cocktail recipes, food recipes, recipes for doing like facial masks, all the other different things you can do with kombucha culture. So this is, you know. It's 400 pages, but we had to cut it down. You know, people are like, How could you write 400 pages? I'm like, I've got so much more information to share with you. Uh, one of the unique characteristics of this book that sets it apart from other books is it does have a symptom specific section. So we're talking about, you know, how does kombucha help with cholesterol or diabetes? And all of that information, rather than just being anecdotally based, which we've all heard the stories, it's rooted to research. So one of the things we'll be debuting on the kombucha campsite in uh, hopefully in a week or so, but coming soon, is a research database where you can come to our site, find the database portal. We've uploaded hundreds of research articles on kombucha, research papers that scientists have been doing around the world. Type in a few keywords, voila, information at your fingertips. Um, So even if you're not someone who wants to make kombucha at home, there's a history, there's timeline, A lot of the recipes you could be using store-bought kombucha with to make these recipes. So it's really for anyone who's a kombucha fan, period, whether you're drinking it or making it or or inclined to do either one of those.
0: So people listen and are like, wow, this woman is passionate about kombucha. I didn't know there was so much to learn or so much uh, intricacies with making kombucha. Um, And I know you kind of got started in L.A. You saw your friends making that weird superfood. You went over there and you say it was love at first sip and uh, then it just kind of started snowballing since then and to where it is now?
1: It's true. Well, when I started kombucha camp, which was a class in my home in 2004 to teach people how to make it, it was a side hobby, right? You know, it wasn't my, I'm now teaching classes. It was more, I love this. I want to share this with people. I think it's so much fun and the response to that You know, if you had asked me five years ago, ten years ago, hey, you think you'll have a career in kombucha? I would have been like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. Um, So it is something that did grow organically. Uh, So first it was the class in 2004. Then in 2007, I started blogging about it. And I really just wanted information. We've always been an education company first because I wanted to dispel some of the negative stories, some of the negative mythology around kombucha out there. And, and that's what instigated the, the blog. And then in 2010, um, my husband who has a film background uh, came on board to help me make some videos. And what we realized, you know, as much as he thought this was gonna be like a demo piece for creating content for other people, it turned out that we had an opportunity here. And when we saw that, we were like, you know what? There's people who really need this. There's people who really want this. We've experienced such a tremendous healing benefit in our own lives you know, we'd be remiss not to take it to that next level. And so that's what we've been doing. And in fact, speaking of next levels in 2014, we then also co-founded Kombucha Brewers International, which is the trade association representing all of the bottled kombucha that you see on the shelves. Um, So we've, we've been very active in the kombucha industry and community for, a decade and we love it and and really love getting the word out to people who've never heard of it to get them to try it
0: so the people who have never heard of it and they're tuning in right now um, they're, they're probably familiar with kombucha the fermented tea they've seen it everywhere they're aware of it but the benefits actually behind it what are kind of like like the biggest one or two benefits that you tell beginners who are new to this
1: digestion and detox um, if I could boil it down to two words that would be it uh, digestion comes in the form in a couple different forms. So all fermented foods are going to help with digestion, and we always advocate for a diversity of fermented foods and drinks in your diet because, as you mentioned before, all these bacterial cells living in our body, one beverage is not going to have a, you know all the diversity to match that which your body represents. So getting a variety is always going to be the best way to go. But in terms of digestion, you've got the healthy bacteria. They're, you know, breaking down the food. They're making all of that nutrition easier for your body to absorb. Uh, A lot of the problems we see for folks who have high indigestion and digestive issues is when you overconsume certain types of foods, it dilutes the the acidity in your stomach. And when you dilute that acidity, you know, think about it. When you're trying to break down proteins, you know, we have to use a knife and everything to kind of break it down. Well, in your gut, you don't have a knife. Your knife comes in the form of acid. Right. So if you're consuming foods that's, you know, raising the pH or you don't quite have the acidity there, you're not going to be able to extrapolate the nutrition from the foods you're consuming. So a lot of times, and this has been a a misunderstanding for many years, uh, people who experience acid reflux think, oh, I have too much acid, it's coming back up. In fact, that's usually an indication that your body requires more acid, hmm. yeah. and so um, when you instead of taking the antacid pills, which are all base, neutralizing that acid, which certainly temporarily treats the symptom, it just exacerbates the root cause. So when you start consuming your, you know, your kombuchas or your other fermented drinks that have those natural, organic, healthy acids, you're rebalancing that acidity pH and it makes it easier for you to digest your food. And a lot of that indigestion will go away. In fact, two weeks after starting to kombucha, my husband was able to give up his, um, his Zantac, his, you know, digest- an yeah, uh, yeah. antacid. Yeah. So it's, a, it's something that a lot of people, and that's like one of those immediate benefits that people really feel from it. The other benefit, so the acidity, the bacteria, they're all improving digestion and that leads to increases in energy. Because if you think about it, right, like after Thanksgiving, you eat the food, you sit down, you're like, oh, I can't move. I'm in this like food coma because your body has to try to digest all that you put in there. So when you improve your digestion, you can imagine, oh, well, now your body has more energy. It can be used in different ways.
0: Yeah, sure. So with the the digestion, then uh, that benefit, um, if someone listening right now is curious to incorporate kombucha, well, how much do I have to drink to really get the benefits of the digestion Hannah's talking about?
1: You know, not a lot. Um, A little bit goes a long way with kombucha and in fact what happens to a lot of people Uh, they'll have kombucha and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I really crave this. I really want another one. And they get all freaked out. They're like, oh no, I'm addicted to kombucha. And it's really your body has a nutritional or some kind of deficiency that the kombucha is helping to serve. And so oftentimes if you're one of those people who just started drinking kombucha and now you feel like, oh, I really want more of it. Listen to your body. Your body's telling you, give me the good stuff. Help me get what I need. You know, so much of our wisdom about what kinds of foods we should eat and things like that is really in our DNA. The thing is is we have all this propaganda about what should you eat, what shouldn't you eat, what's healthy, what's low fat, blah blah blah, you know, all these buzzwords. You don't know what to believe, you don't know what to think. But when you come back down and really listen to the information your body provides you, it will guide you to the foods that support your health. And again, because my body's so different and your body's so different, those are going to be different recommendations. But back to your point, especially if you're new to kombucha, starting with four to eight ounces, first thing on an empty stomach is often a great way to feel how it's working in your body. But you can also take it with meals that will help with digestion. If you take it right before meals, it can help decrease appetite. It often decreases sugar cravings or cravings for alcohol as well. Because when you think about why humans eat, it's not just to hang out and have a good time or uh, to have dinner with the family or whatever it is. It's because our body requires certain nutritional inputs that we can't make on our own. And so when you provide that nutritional input in a living form, in a form that we evolved to recognize, that means you don't require as much quantity when you have that quality in place.
0: So it's kind of like apple cider vinegar with that. Uh, I know the recommendations, for lowering blood sugar, all that is, you know, before meal or empty stomach and energy boosting. And I know that has the mother in it as well. Um, Nails on head. You're like, head.
1: bang, bang, there you go. And that's because... Drop compl- the mic. Well, no, yeah, exactly. It's an acetic acid ferment, which is what vinegar is. But where vinegars are typically diluted to a 4 to 8% acetic acid solution, which is really sour, that's why you're only taking small shots at a time. Kombucha comes in around 1%. So a oh. great way to think about it is easy drinking vinegar. Okay. Also, it's made not from apples but from tea. So if you look at the research on tea, tea is already an incredibly healthy beverage. It's got anti-cancer properties, high in polyphenols. And then you add the fermentation process to that. You make all of that nutrition even more available, easier for your body to absorb. It's no wonder kombucha is this like super-powered tea vinegar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and it's great, too, because a lot of the excuses with health, the two biggest ones, you know, what do you think they are? It's I don't have the time and I don't have the money. And Mm -hmm. I know last time you were on the call, we were talking about brewing it yourself and how cheap and cost effective that is. So everything we've been talking about, not only if you don't have the time, well, you can do it in the convenience of your own house, but also the money. I mean, it's pennies, right?
1: Pennies of the glass. Absolutely. I mean, think about your once you get up and running. Look, a culture from us is $25 guaranteed to reproduce, you'll get a lifetime supply provided you care for it, that's a really low investment. Now the only other thing you have to pay for is tea and sugar. Now sugar might be a trigger for some people thinking, oh sugar's bad for me, I don't want any sugar, uh, what about the sugar? So just to speak to that briefly, the sugar is not for you, the sugar is for the brew, the sugar is for the yeast and the bacteria, they consume it, they break it into its component pieces from sucrose into fructose and glucose, mm. and then things like glucose are what create your gluconic and glucuronic acids, which when we talk about detoxification are really important. So the sugar, like I said, is not for you, it's for the fermentation, but it's also that spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? Like the the best kombuchas are those that are sour, that have a sour punch, but also that little bit of sweetness, because you know, we can tolerate that sour if we have that little bit of sweetness there to balance it with. So it creates that balance. And if you look at sodas, which are really like the wannabe fermented drinks, they're, they're the fake version of fermented drinks that came out after Prohibition. They add acid to create that acidity that we're craving out of bubbly drinks. And they also add sugar But unfortunately, the components that they're adding don't provide that nutritional payoff that we're instinctually looking for. You know, we're hardwired to seek out yeast. We're hardwired to seek out carbonation because those bubbles is what indicated to us that the yeast were there, that they were living, and that they were active. So imagine a time before we knew uh, anything about microscopes or microbes. You know, you think it's just magic. What you're seeing are these bubbles Well, that boom your body's like yes that's good for me and so even still today we have that desire for bubbly drinks but it's for something that has the living yeast uh, because that has all those b vitamins and all that nutrition
0: so explain that one more time when there's bubbles basically our primal brain thinks that that's yeast which is nutrition or how does how does that link up again
1: exactly right now now uh These are the theories that come to me over time after reading lots of stuff, eating these healthy foods, I start to make these connections. So the connection that I made was that in ancient times when people were fermenting, and we fermented all kinds of stuff, well, we had to ferment because you couldn't drink the water. Uh, In fact, they, they posit that the reason grain production started in Egypt was not for bread, but was for beer, because we needed to ferment the water. Um, so, uh, or add vinegar to it, or whatever we do. Or
0: wine in uh, Romans and Greeks. Yeah, just or wine in
1: it, or the, yeah, exactly right. Um, so, we always had to adulterate it in some way to protect ourselves from the, the pathogenic organisms present. Um, so, when we were observing fermentation in ancient times, the way we knew that it had took, or mm-hmm. that, you know, the wort was working, was we saw the foam. And in fact, the root word for yeast, yesed, is the same root as for the word to boil. Hmm. Oh no, ferment. That's right, fervere. It's fervere, which means to boil. Oh. And so we saw this boiling, this bubbling action that was occurring, and that's how we knew. Oh, it's working. Something's happening. So then I take it that next step farther. That part of why we recognized and really wanted that was because when we consume those products, our bodies got a, an immediate benefit. That made us feel really terrific.
0: Huh. Okay, and th- that one makes sense because I was reading about alcohol and why um, why alcohol is f- benefit not beneficial, but why some people crave it after no, it a while. Is. Yeah, and, and it was because I think it's the ethanol in there, and that exists in really ripe fruit. And basically, the riper the fruit, the more sugar, which is good for survival, and the more ethanol, or some, something along those lines. I could be butchering it. I don't know if you know anything.
1: Let me um, share my thoughts on it. So um, alcohol is a vital nutrient, just like sugar is. And again, these, these can sound really weird to folks who maybe have never considered these concepts. But, but go with me here for a minute. Um, basically, we evolved with alcohol. So when we think about what alcohol is and how it's produced and its function, first of all, it's a preservative. Um, So we would use it to preserve foods or fruits. It's also um, something that extracts nutrition, right? It's a carrier for nutrition. So we would put herbs that we couldn't boil to receive nutrition from into the alcohol and infuse those alcohols. Those were our tinctures, those were our medicines. Those were our very first cough syrups, if you will, right? We would just, we were able to derive that nutrition. And when you look at the root cause of disease, if it's diet and stress, well, what does alcohol do? <sighs> Relaxes all that stress. And then when it, it's, it has the living yeast with the B vitamins, also great for stress and energy as well. So you have this product that delivers this great benefit, you know, and look, animals in the wild will seek out that overripe fruit because there's something about um, intoxication that's also pleasurable. There's something about it that, altered states allows you to perceive the world in a different way. And I'm not talking about alcohol in terms of kombucha, in terms of intoxication, because that doesn't happen at all. You know, you can't even drink enough kombuchas to, <laughs> to experience intoxication. It's, uh, it, your body metabolizes the ethanol so quickly that it's not able to create a harmful effect. And part of that is what I mentioned before, that gluconic and glucuronic acid. So um, in all of human history, we evolved with ethanol. We made soft drinks, right? Not hard liquor. So your ginger ale, your root beer, right? These were all healthy, low alcohol fermented beverages that everybody consumed. In Europe, they had things called small beers, which were basically low alcohol fermented beverages. Children consumed them as well. And, and so I guess the point I want to draw here is not that alcohol itself is inherently bad, it's the way we use it. Mm-hmm. Just like everything in life, it has to be in balance and we have to use it mindfully in a way that is um, acknowledging and adhering to that traditional reason it exists. And I have another theory <laughs> that will be interesting to see if it's ever proven out, and that's when we pasteurize alcohol, we remove the feedback loop. So think about it like this, like when we crave sugar and we get sugar, there's a the chemical reaction in our brain that closes a circuit oh, we got what we were looking for. Okay, now we can let that go.
0: Right.
1: So when you consume the chemicalized sugars like in high fructose corn syrup or aspartame or any of those, you never close that feedback loop and you end up getting addicted because your brain is never closing the circuit on that.
0: Yeah. And and, and sorry, sorry to cut you off, but Start I've, I've even heard that with uh, Stevia too. Like some people love Stevia and it's natural a hundred percent, but I noticed the days I use Stevia going on that feedback loop, I crave other sugars a lot more.
1: Right, because you've got the sweet taste, but you don't have the final piece that, that plugs it in. Yeah, it's right? incomplete. Exactly right, it's incomplete. And so my theory is that when we pasteurize alcohol, we remove the original reason why we were seeking it out, which was that nutrition in a living form. And so you create a disconnect in the feedback loop, and this is where overconsumption of these products can come in. Um, Also oftentimes, and there's some really interesting research actually that's pointing to folks whose guts are are not as diverse will tend to be, um, it'll be harder for them to give up alcohol because again, their bodies don't have the organisms needed to process all of that, or you know, honestly, I don't know the underlying mechanism. But point being, diversity seems to be crucial for a whole host of issues with the body. Alcoholism, autism, you know, all of these are are potentially because of lack of microbiome diversity.
0: So with kombucha, you know, I go into Whole Foods and uh, it says I have to be 21 and up to purchase it. What are your thoughts on, on the age limit? Can I see your ID?
1: My thoughts are that it's... Um, it's adhering to the letter of the law, but the letter of the law is uh, maybe not fully reflecting the um, the principle of the law, right? You know, the principle of the law is to prevent minors from consuming beverages that are gonna have a deleterious effect on their bodies. Uh, what it's not taking into account is at the time that that number was put out there, um, Was that actually what people were consuming? Was that actually in in concert with all of human history? Maybe, maybe not. So I agree that we do have to follow the letter of the law because that's the law that's out there today. But I also know that even when you consume that over 21 kombucha, you don't get drunk and you don't have any kind of intoxicating effect from it. Um, So there's a mismatch in terms of what is the product intended for versus how it's perceived based on all of the legal things that come along with that, right? We have to put a warning label on it, we have to tell pregnant women and children they can't consume it, when in fact the exact opposite is true. They frequently consume these beverages to great benefit. So it's, I think it's just more a lack of understanding uh, historically of of what these beverages and their purpose is, as well as um, not matching up with the cultural context within which we're consuming it. No one's grabbing a six of kombucha, Going home on a Friday night, slammed them down and having a big old party. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, it's it's not how we drink kombucha. It's not what kombucha is for.
0: Yeah. Uh, good good points on that. That's uh, it, it almost stigmatized it even more and put an emphasis overemphasis on the alcohol part of kombucha rather than the health benefit of it because it's like you have to be 21 and older to buy. And so everyone's like, ooh, this stuff. This stuff is... Is raw, You know, this is good. I'm, I'm going to drink some Well, kombucha. and it's
1: unfortunate that it gets that stigma because I think it scares some people away from kombucha who would derive a real benefit from it. You know, um, I have family members who are in the program, uh, friends who are in the program who drink kombucha and says it, they, it doesn't trigger them. It's not a trigger. You know, there's other people who maybe don't understand the product. They see that warning and they become afraid and they avoid it altogether when, in fact, it could be what their microbiome needs to diversify it and to minimize those cravings in the first place. So um, I think you're you're right. It does put it in an unfortunate light. And in fact, most consumers have no clue that it even could have alcohol in it. And so then when they're carded, they're like, wait, what? I don't, you know, there's a real confusion there because this country has, you know, a, a, a prohibition hangover still.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like the prohibition hangover. So um, <laughs> what you were talking about earlier something that, uh, had a light bulb go off in my mind last time, I think it was last week, Dr. Dr. Josh Axe was on the call and he was talking about eating dirt and all that stuff <laughs> and uh, how it's not about the quantity, the number of gut bacteria, but it's about the, the, the quality or the diversity of the gut bacteria. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, I mean, it's true in all things. It's always quality over quantity. Unfortunately, in this country, we've been tricked into thinking it's quality over quantity. I mean, quantity over quality. Like the more things, the more this, the more, the better. When it actually is that diversity. Nature loves diversity. Think about it. You walk outside, is it a monocrop? Even when you look at the grass, the blades of grass, you can tell there's different types of grass. There's insects, there's butterflies, there's birds, there's you know animals live in our homes. We bring animals into our house and live with them. They sleep in our beds with us. Yeah. I mean, my point being is that we are so diverse that we engage with all the creatures, with all the organisms of the planet. And monocropping and monoculture is anti-nature period because that isn't how nature works. How nature defends itself is it has many different types of things in a vast array. And if any one negative influence should occur, some of the organisms will thrive and others may not. But because it's diversity, it's not like the entire thing is wiped out entirely.
0: Okay. And so kombucha is a good way to get that diversity in your guts. it would be?
1: Well, you know, and kombucha is a little different. Being an acetic acid ferment, like we don't think of vinegar as being incredibly probiotic, right? It's probiotic in the sense that there are healthy organisms that confer a health benefit to those who consume it. But in terms of number of organisms, and again, this is that quantity over quality, you're not going to get the same quantity of organisms as you might in a lacto-ferment, where there are numerous individual bacteria present, but you get a diversity of organisms. You get them uh, in that living form. And that's, again, why we don't just recommend only having kombucha, but have sauerkraut, have kefir, have kvass, have kimchi and natto and and miso and all of those.
0: Add it into your protocol.
1: Hey, have some dirt too you know and by dirt go out and play in the dirt. You don't even have to eat it. you can just work with the soil. Um, just being you know present with those organisms, visiting a farm, letting the dog lick your face, rubbing a cow and on its nose and you get some of its boogers on you. I mean all of that is how we diversify our biome. In fact, Hugging strangers, drinking from their, you know, drinking from each other's cups, kissing. I mean, these are all important ways in which we strengthen our immune system as well as our connection to each other.
0: Sure. Um, So...
1: Only kiss people you're allowed to kiss.
0: Let's go out and kiss strangers, everyone. (laughs) In the Whole Foods, aisle seven. Only
1: (laughs) if they give you permission.
0: That's right. How does kombucha work or probiotics? I've always been a little... Um, confused like so you take them in and they have to make it through your stomach which i know has a very high level or should have a high level of hydrochloric acid how does it make it pass that into your gut and kind of live there is there some mechanism that bypasses or just kind of survives
1: well again remember kombucha is already very acidic so it's already attenuated to that more acid environment um, do all of the organisms survive your stomach acid? That would be a fascinating study. I, I don't have specific data on that. What I do know is that um, consuming fermented foods is something human beings have been doing since the start of time. So, And always, they're, they're, it's not about, again, those huge quantities. If you start eating sauerkraut and you eat a whole cup of it, that's a lot of sauerkraut. You might end up in the bathroom as a result of that because that's just way more than you need. Uh, almost always, our fermented foods are these condiments or these little pieces of things on the side. So your salsas, your chutneys, your your you know you put sauerkraut on the Reuben so you can digest the meat. Um, things like this. There's a reason that we've had these food pairings throughout history is because they serve a beneficial effect. They they um, they help each other out. Um, so. What do they do when they get into the gut? I I wish I had an answer for you. I don't exactly know, but what I know is that they, you know, the good stuff gets in. And what happens is, is when you go to consume the, you know, the processed foods or the foods that maybe don't serve you as well, when you have a habit of drinking kombucha, your body goes kind of like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, maybe we should try something else here. You know, it, what happens is you start to lose your taste for these over foods because the body starts to be like, no, wait, you're giving me like the really good stuff. Um, why are you putting that that back in? there? That's no good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, so one thing I love about kombucha is the actual act of brewing it. Um, I've been brewing it for. For five years or so. And I think my little soapbox rant on that is because I think, you know, there's not an information deficiency out there in the health community. It's not an information problem that we maybe can't lose the last 10 pounds or uh, we jump from diet to diet or something like that. I mean, I've had my own struggles with that. It's always an action deficiency in me. And I think one of the reasons why I like brewing kombucha is because I'm actively involved in like preparing something. I have ownership over it and it's, it's fun to do. Um, and so I, I guess nice transition into kind of like how we brew kombucha and get going. But I mean, do you, do you have anything to say on, on like being actively involved with brewing it?
1: Process is really about connection. It's ritual. It's cycle. Look, we live in a cyclical world. We have four seasons, the sun goes, the moon goes through phases. You know, we can't help but be deeply rooted and connected to those cycles whether we're aware of or cognizant of them at all. And so, engaging in the ritual of preparing your own food, preparing your own ferments, there it, it's magic. It's magic in practice because It's science, right? But we can't fully see what's happening and that imbues it with that kind of sense of magic. And so, um, you know, it feels awkward at first whenever you're learning, you know, the hokey pokey or whatever, you didn't know when to turn yourself about, but you did it enough times and then you got into a rhythm and it's that rhythm of action, that rhythm of process that I think really connects you to your ferment. And again, they're living beings just like we are. And so the energy that you're giving them they're then able to use that as an input, a nutritional input, and give back to you. So there really is an energetic exchange that's occurring between yourself and these organisms. Mm -hmm. Plus, they feel terrific on your skin. I mean, when I'm brewing at home, you know, it's not that I'm, I don't wash my hands or that I'm not observing sanitation practices, but kombucha's pH and healthy organic acid profile has been demonstrated in numerous papers to kill things like E. coli, salmonella, listeria, like the really nasty pathogens on contact. So I feel confident using bare hands, touching my scobies, working with my kombucha. And it was really interesting. What I found is as I was doing that, um, I had had a really nasty bout of poison oak. And then a few years later, as I was brewing the kombucha, I noticed I was getting like poison oak on my fingers, even though I hadn't been hiking. And I thought that was so weird. What happened? And then it went away. And then I brewed the kombucha again and it came back and it dawned on me that the kombucha was pulling that toxin out of my body through my skin. So when you remember that we are a Mm. giant sponge, we're a giant filter that's just absorbing. We're absorbing the sunlight. We're absorbing the pollution. We're absorbing all the chemicals around us. I mean, we're just in all that's concentrating in your liver, and your liver's like working as hard as it can to, to keep up. And we do make gluconic and glucuronic acid in our bodies, but the problem is with this many toxic inputs, we're overwhelmed. We're in toxic overload. Yeah. And I think this is where we see that rise of um, autoimmune and cancer and metabolic diseases, allergies, all of these things are as a result of our bodies basically saying, I give up. <laughs> you're you're killing me here and i don't know what to do
0: yes yeah, um, sanitized to death exactly right yeah
1: isolated to death sanitized to death all of
0: it yeah and people forget that the skin is actually your biggest organ it's huge and, exactly right and you know when we're rubbing purell on our hands 50 times a day and uh, it it totally dries it out and everything and uh I think that's what we were talking about last week with the eat dirt is is just kind of uh, not being so not having that germophobia and kind of, you know, obviously, if you go to the bathroom, you should probably sanitize your hands and and, and wash them.
1: Even just washing them with water is sufficient for that because the carrier bacteria are very easily removed. You know, it's that you don't want to strip every bacteria because you need your force field to remain intact.
0: Right, right. And so that's kind of where, you know, if we stop getting so paranoid that every single bacteria uh, on Earth is going to is going to kill us. So we got to fight them all off. Well, kinda... Why do we
1: have this paranoia in the first place, Clark? That's my question.
0: Yeah. Uh, advertising. Advertising.
1: Advertising. How do they sell you those products if they don't make you afraid?
0: I was listening to Paul Cech. Um, He gets he gets pretty hippie with it. And I'm, I'm down with the hippie approach. I love it. I'm a hippie at heart. Um, I'm a little less hippie than I was about three years ago on this show. On this show, we used to talk about more conspiracies and like GMOs and why you know everyone's trying to shut you down. And I realized that like so much of so much of the health field is easy to kind of get into this negative zone. And like, here's what you don't do: okay, don't eat grains, don't do this, don't don't you dare go to bed past eleven, don't don't don't. And I was just so stressed out that like. I felt guilty whenever I did any of those things that I was not supposed to do. And I realized this is ridiculous. I got to I got to step back and realize what I should be doing, focus on that and source my health from a proactive way instead of being on the defense. And I got so much more happy. And I know I'm going on a little rant for you, Hannah, but okay. like my journey have just my health is just totally turned around as soon as I snapped out of that mindset of like, OK, my, my to do list of things I can't do. And if I check them all off, then I'll be healthy. It's like, no, you got to be proactive. You got to stop stressing out. Take a deep breath. Focus on what you're doing and, and head towards that instead of negative Nancy area well
1: diet and stress those are the two things that really erode your health and so that stress can come in many formats orthorexia is another form of stress that we see in you know whether you're choosing one dietary or another my thought process is forget about the titles throw all the titles out the window throw all the rules out the window listen to the DNA wisdom in your body. Not everybody can eat a vegan diet and thrive. Not everybody can eat a paleo diet and thrive. Not, you know, there is no one size fits all solution and that's where trust your gut comes into play.
0: And that's that's why I love the message of kombucha and like your book and everything, because it's kind of focusing on what you should be doing, because it's easy to come out with a book of here's what you don't do. And just just like it's easy to go out and ask people how their day is and you can find 50 things wrong with your day and kind of bitch and complain about them. But it's you kind of have to take a step back and really focus on what's going good. And then you feel a lot better when you walk away from a conversation you have with someone of where you talked about what's going right than what's going wrong and uh the same thing with health you know you focus i feel a lot healthier when i'm focusing on talking about what i should be doing and not what i shouldn't be doing so kombucha is one of those things we can add in to kind of like here's what we should be doing just try it out do some more of it here's bacteria try it out do some more of it
1: absolutely and it's also not like but i should do this every single day at this exact time that that you know like there can become a rigidity and even the good stuff and so the point is is to be flexible you know I I probably drink less kombucha than my husband does. He drinks at least 32 ounces a day. And for him, that really works. For me, I have anywhere from 8 to 16 ounces. And some days, I don't have any at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it just kind of depends. I obviously, I mean, I can feel a difference when I don't have it available. And when I travel, I always buy it wherever I can. First of all, I love trying all the local brands just to see what's different and what's new out there. It's such a craft beverage and the way that it's made. You know, it's just like, wine? You have how many Pinot Noirs on the shelf, and they all taste different. How many different companies are making IPAs or Hefeweizens. Yeah. Again, like, this is what, it's creative, it's craft, it's individual and unique. And so I really enjoy that part of it. But also, I'm just like, I'm in a new um, terroir. There's different bacteria and organisms here. I'm breathing, you know, uh, air from hotels or whatever or on the plane like I need this while I'm traveling specifically because it helps to make sure that my microbiome and my bacteria force field are really strong so that even when I encounter foreign organisms or potential pathogens I still have enough of my own bacterial integrity that I don't have to worry that this is going to take me down
0: I just looked. We're at 40 minutes already. These always fly by. I want to touch on kind of like basic brewing tips, maybe some advanced brewing tips. And I got a couple questions for you. Is that is that you're not, you're not on a tight schedule or anything? Not at all. OK, three more hours. OK, let's do it. So <laughs> Someone's listening to this and we talked about um, why kombucha is beneficial, what it is, why it's been used, and they're ready to take the first step explain very basic terms to the beginner out there, how they get started brewing kombucha.
1: Uh, first, you want a source of quality culture. So kombucha camp, camp with a K, you know, first you want information. So you come there, you download our free recipe, you kind of get a sense of what the process is going to look like. It's so easy, Clark. It's just the thing that complicates it is it's unfamiliar. The thing that complicates it is our fear. We're afraid I'm going to poison myself. I'm going to hurt myself. Here's the deal. If this stuff were so hard to do, it were so dangerous, humans would have chucked it on the compost pile of life ages ago, right? So the fact that it's persisted for hundreds, potentially thousands of years, speaks to not only how easy it is, but how safe it is to make it home. So first dispel those misapprehensions. Once you do that, the process is super simple. You're making tea, you're adding sugar. You add the SCOBY, you wait about a week. Once it has that sweet, sour flavor you like, you harvest it. Um, you save the cultures and starter liquid for the next batch right off the top, kind of like a little offering. You take them out. You pour your liquid on. Aww. And then everything else, you can put into your bottles and flavor and do whatever you like with. You start that process over again, and that's just it. It's just this constant cycle and process. And uh, I have a little song.
0: kombucha tea. You
1: got Easy it. Easy
0: as one, one two, two three.
1: three. Brew sweet tea. Right
0: and a scoby. Scoby.
1: Wait a week yeah. and then repeat.
0: That's my jam.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, thanks to Michael Jackson for writing the song in the first place. But um, it, it makes it super easy to uh, to remember what this process is. It's very simple.
0: So you you add the SCOBY or no. So you, you brew the tea in glass, preferably. Yes. And you so you have your tea. You add the sugar. Um, and people don't need to get fixated exactly on the amounts. There's recipes online. And then you add your culture, cover it. And pull it as soon as you like the flavor.
1: Now, here's and here's one of the important things that people often forget, but it's an important ingredient in this process, and that's temperature. So remember, bacteria and yeast like us. There's a comfort zone that they work in, and uh, just like if we were to have to work outside in 40 degrees all the time, um, our activity may slow to a snail's pace, or we might not be able to get much done because we're out there. Like, blah, 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 blah. Um, same thing if it's too hot. Just like you're going to, that's going to retard your ability to to get your activities done. Um, So temperature is really crucial. So 75 to 85, with 78 to 80 being the sweet spot. You know, I can't tell you how many people we get them a heating unit or a heater on their vessel, and oh my gosh, now the kombucha is great, right? right. So. Whenever we give living inputs they need to thrive they are going to do amazing for you whenever we hamper them whether that's by not using tea or not having enough sugar or not getting the right temperature that's going to cause issues with your process so it's really simple but it is remembering that they have their own environment that they like and when we honor that that's when we're most successful
0: okay and then in your book um, the big book of kombucha. It is big. It's a monster. Yeah, show show it for everyone watching right now. It's 400 pages, hardcover, endorsed by Andrew Zimmern himself. Mr. That's kombucha, kombucha. Let's
1: show you a, a flavoring recipe. Look at these Super foods I mean, we've tried everything. Every flavoring recipe in here is something that we tried. What's the cra- so-
0: What's the craziest thing in the book?
1: Oh my, probably the bacon recipes.
0: You got a bacon recipe with kombucha?
1: Well, we have a portini even. So that's like a bacon kombucha martini.
0: How, how do you make that? Is that pretty complex?
1: It's pretty simple, actually. I mean, you uh, well, so here's the thing. Because think about this, right? Vinegar is used in meat preservation as well or in salad dressings and marinades. You can, you, it'll extract that flavor very quickly. So if you make a bacon booch, you can then... And then when you think about most mixers for cocktails, it's like sour mix. Like something sour, a little bit of sweet, plus the alcohol. So you take that formula, you can get so creative. And this is the, you know, this is the roaring 20s we want to create. We want to create a a healthy cocktail revolution. We want people to be consuming, um, consuming these beverages, I mean, not just all kinds of beverages that make them feel good, not ones that deplete them, that cause cancer ultimately, that, you know, have negative effects on the body.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to have a cocktail party, which 90% of the people listening to this call have either A, been to or B, hosted, you know, you might as well try and do it with the best ingredients that you made. And it's it's more fun. Again, it's that ownership and uh, it can be a good time. So, you got a whole section in there on kombucha cocktails, it is, right?
1: We do. A whole section, fifty kombucha cocktails. So um, from Shandy, is just your half beer, half kombucha, which is really well suited for all the way to, you know, a bloody Rita or something like that, uh, a a margarita or a kombucha Bloody Mary, something like that. We've got them all in there. So you can, and again, all of these are just inspirations, Mm -hmm. you know, take them, make them your own, give them your own personal tweaks. That's like memes on the internet, right? What's fun is we get to personalize with our impression, how we interpret it. And that's all this is meant to be. It's not meant to be the end all be all. But we've got um, condiments, kombucha, we've got kombucha krauts, we've got, scoby just eating the scoby so if you want like a vegan squid sashimi you can eat the bacterial cellulose we also have like fruit leather recipes so oh,
0: even so the scoby you kind of eat it
1: exactly right can be consumed
0: wow um and it, does it taste good i've always been a little intimidated
1: well it's gonna take on the flavor of whatever you're using now some people will just you know take a bite out of it first of all it's really chewy so it's uh you know if you want it instead of gum you could do that. But the benefit to consuming bacterial cellulose is that it's insoluble fiber. So what that means is we don't digest it. We don't um, break it down in the same way we do other foods. So it acts like a broom where it comes through the body and just sweeps out excess sugar, excess hormones like cholesterol and things like that. And, and a, you know, just basically sweeps out your inside. So um, it, it does a really nice job of doing that. The fruit leathers are really great because you're mixing it with fruit. You're putting it in a dehydrator, and it literally is like a fruit roll-up, but now you're getting this extra insoluble fiber. It's not just the fruit, and so it can be a little less uh, of that stuff in the sugar. We also do jerkies, which are really fun, again, for folks who maybe want a, uh, an alternative to a meat jerky. It's going to be a really tasty, delicious way to enjoy the culture.
0: What's your baby in the book? What's your one uh, recipe or section that you just absolutely love?
1: Well, you know what? I really love the tomato salad. So um, so here's the thing. There's never kombucha that you have to throw away per se. If it gets too sour, it turns into what we call kombucha vinegar. And one of the very first things I did with it was to, I love tomatoes when they're in season and feta cheese. And I just put it all together in this delicious heirloom tomato salad. And it's so good. Also, the potato salad is really phenomenal too. Mm. There's just something about it that is, it's just got that little extra kombucha zing and it's like woo.
0: Yeah. Man. So March eighth is the date um that this book is out. Today is the twenty-sixth. So this is going live. Yesterday was the twenty so it'll be in about four or five days when they can pick up the book. Um we're I mean
1: it's already shipping, so if okay. places have pre ordered it, it's on it's there. You can also pick it up on Amazon, which they should have theirs. They should be shipping now. So it is available. Um but, yeah, the official date that it's going to be everywhere is March 8th, which happens to be International Women's Day. Isn't it appropriate that the mother, Scoby is debuting on, <laughs> right? That's it's right. The world. I didn't pick that date. They did. So, yeah. Um, I love all those uh, small world coincidences, small universe coincidences.
0: Amazon the best place to go or can they go to Kombucha Camp? Amazon right now is the best
1: place to go. Your local independent bookstore is great. We are on book tour, So I'm going to be hitting, you know, Chicago for the Good Food Conference. I'm going to be at the NTA Conference in Portland. Um, I'm going to be all over at different bookstores. So um, take a look at kombuchacamp.com. We do have a link to our tour dates. Uh, Come on out to a book signing. Come say hello. We'd love to meet you all in, in person. And of course hear your questions, answer your questions, try your kombuchas, all that good stuff.
0: You're gonna be in Seattle?
1: I am, yes. Really? Uh, yeah. I'm coming to Seattle right after the NTA conference. I've got two dates there, March, I think, twenty first and twenty third. So okay, we well should definitely say hey. Yeah.
0: Hey. Yeah. Yeah, let me get get a thumbnail for the YouTube video right there.
1: <laughs> that would be great. And then um, we're gonna be at community. Are you familiar with that brand in Seattle?
0: I've heard of it.
1: Yeah, so that's a that's an over twenty one. Yeah. Not Twenty One brand and they have a new cafe so I think we're doing a, an event there and then also at the um, is it Book Larder
0: I don't know I'm not too good with Seattle Nightlife oh. I don't get out much I'll be honest I, it's
1: just, there's a lot of like bookstores with really clever names so yeah. I think it's Book Larder in Seattle will be there as well so there's lots of great ways to connect with us and, and check it out
0: awesome Hannah hey the closing question um, I've been doing on these calls that I'm really curious about is what uh, so, five years ago, not that many people were talking about gluten, for instance. And now every single person's talking about gluten. Ten years ago, you could say it was organic food. No one was talking about organic food. Now, everyone, it's just common knowledge. What do you think we're, to- we're not talking about today that in five years is going to be the hot topic? Anything come to mind? I,
1: I mean, I really. I- I think it's getting dirty. I think it's going to be all the ways in which, when we interact with the planet, we derive a benefit. So whether that's you know getting outside and working in the earth, planting a garden, whether that's um, you know working with animals, whether that's um, I just, I feel like the more we get back to the earth, the healthier we're going to be. I mean, think about it like this. Uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, same thing. Like we come from this earth and we are going to go back to the earth and that's as it should be. That's a natural cycle. And I think the more that we embrace the cycle of that and, and understand how our bodies can can have a really positive relationship with all of the organisms that are here, I think we're just going to feel a lot healthier, a lot better, and a lot more connected to each other and to the earth.
0: Love it, Hannah. Stop poisoning it. Love Ah. it, Hannah. Great stuff. (laughs) Oh, Thanks so much for coming on. It was fun. It's always great talking to you. And I can't wait to actually get my hands on that book. And maybe I'll see you when you're here in Seattle.
1: That'd be great. Thank you, Clark. Really love it.
0: All right. Till till part three. It's coming.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Have a good one. (laughs)
0: Y'all singing that jingle? Kombucha tea. Easiest. One, two, three. Come on, sing it. Kombucha tea. Thanks for tuning into this week's PaleoHacks podcast, guys. Really fun stuff with Hannah Crumb on her big book of kombucha. PaleoHacks.com, of course, is the producer of this show. Head on over there. Check out our Instagram, socials, um, blog posts, recipes on that site as well. Thanks for listening to my rants in there. Something I've, I've really been thinking about, um, that kind of whole defining health by what to do and and not what not to do. Um, I think that this health community to generalize it and, and boil it down just from what I'm seeing has, um, has gotten a little pessimistic with certain issues, whether it be vaccines or GMOs or government policy. And that's a downer. Um, and I I I kind of as fun as it is to talk about a good conspiracy theory or a good uh corruption and kind of expose the truth, that's not really what I want this show to be about. Um, so I'm gonna try and avoid those topics from now on. Uh not that we really went into them a whole lot, but just know that the goal of this show, this show, guys is is to uh, call. know that the goal of this show, guys, is to kind of put the emphasis on what to do. We don't have any dogmas or any agendas or any right or wrong way to do things. Yes, I know, I know, I know this is the Paleo Hacks podcast, but ultimately all I care about, all we care about, all our guests care about deep down is what works for you and do you feel better at the end of the day and are you feeling healthy? And does your life kick ass? Okay, that's really our goal. Focusing and and we achieve that by focusing on what we can do and putting all our energy there and just having a good time, getting healthy and sharing that with others. Hey, before we go, Lisa, thanks so much for your email. I got it. It really meant a lot. Um, she was talking about how she's a 40 year old yoga instructor mom with three kids who listen to the show with their three kids. Um, so that is awesome, Lisa. I really appreciate that. Uh, you rock. And if any of you want to email me, you know I'm always here to talk. Clark at ClarkDanger.com. Something I want to do more of is kind of interact with with you on the other end and get to know you and kind of what you want on this show. Submit your questions. If if there's questions you want to talk about, I think another guy was talking to me over email about vaccines and that he wanted me to go into was it vaccines or I don't know, some some uh, bacteria or some some topic like that, and he wanted me to ask. No, C sections. That's what it was. I was having a conversation. Doctor Pearl Mater was on the show talking about kind of if you have cesarean section, that's how you were born, that that can damage you for the rest of your life or disrupt your gut flora. And so he wanted me to ask future guests when we're talking about cesarean sections or. Um, not that it comes up a lot, but, or balancing your gut flora, kind of what you can do to be proactive about that. If you were born through cesarean section like myself. So good stuff. I mean, that kind of feedback is invaluable. So just reach out to me on there. I'm always there to chat. Keglyco.com, K-E-G-L-E-Y-C-O.com. Check out our hair products and use the coupon paleo hacks for 10% off. That's all I got guys. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you. And, uh, I love having your support. This is a blast. I love doing this show. Um, I'm going to continue to do it as long as I can. And uh, it's been three years now, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, I'm feeling deep today, if you haven't realized. You know, I remember doing this in Hawaii, living on a farm there. And uh, <laughs> I was listening to Calls for the Best of episode. That's kind of how it started. We were doing our first 10 episodes from my college dorm room. And then in the, that summer, I went to Hawaii. So now, we're a little more official with it. We got video, we got HD, we got audio, but uh, it's been a journey, and I and I I I love uh, experiencing it with you. And I plan to keep continue doing this for as long as possible because health is important. And in whatever small way I can contribute to the larger um, larger community of in the health field, I will uh, continue to do so. So thank you for your support. That's it. From me to you, stop settling, start living. I'll talk to you next week.